You're listening to the Piano Pod, where we talk to the brightest minds in the industry about how they're bringing the piano into the 21st century. Last time, we spoke to Frederick Chu about his experiences as a young pianist, collaborations with other artists, and what it's like to be a cultural ambassador. Check out our podcast channel if you missed it. And now, the conclusion. So, Frederick, you have so many things that you can you are offering. You know, just to by visit your website, we were like so blown away. We we did not know where to start. <laughs> All the events that you're creating, it's more like um, almost like a play or a show. You know, where you have one event and you can just use that to uh, go to, to travel to different places. Seems like and each mm-hmm. has a different theme and so. Can you just a little bit tell us about that? Uh, maybe it um, seems like you have several different uh, events that you created, the evolution yeah. of piano, monument to Beethoven, carnival of animals, and then the classical smackdown. And Yeah, I mean, you all can empathize or you've experienced this. I mean, we put so much work into putting a program together. <laughs> and very often it's a one-time opportunity to play that program. And we work so hard. <laughs> And I really feel like the more a program can have its own message, then the more it deserves to be played as a package. And so I've always crafted my programs with that in mind, that there's some reason to put these pieces together in this order. And there's some storyline that, that can unfold mm-hmm. from that, that can, that can engage people. Like I have my, uh, you know, monument to Beethoven. We talk about the the actual monument to Beethoven in Bonn and the fundraising that went into that uh, in the early 1800s, and how all these composers just kind of dropped the ball. Nobody gave money. Nobody did very much to raise money. You know. Mm. And the list came in and said, hey, this is not acceptable. And I'm just going to give the equivalent of, I think it was like $100,000 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's get this done. And uh, I have a great sculptor in mind. And let's, let's just do it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, Schumann contributed the fantasy to the effort and mm-hmm. uh, said, I will donate, I, I forget how many scores, uh, the sales of those first 100 scores, let's say, will go towards the monument fund. Mm. And then uh, when he saw that it wasn't going well, I think he just kind of said, well, uh, oh, did I did I promise that? I, oh, I forgot. Uh, and then he turned it into a love story for, for Clara. Mm. You know, so, you know, he used what he had, which is great. And mm. uh, there's no criticizing uh, Schumann's fantasy. Mm. But, uh, you know, that was inspired by the Beethoven monument effort. And then Liszt, of course, transcribed all of Beethoven's symphonies. That in and of itself is a monument. Mm. So I put one of the symphonies with the Schumann fantasy and you have these two uh, monumental pieces that are mm-hmm. so different mm. from each other. And yet they are tied together by this, this external event. Mm. And I think that story really says something mm. to a listener who may love one or both works and who may love that in general, but then, hey, these are real people and they did things mm-hmm. and the music was, was a result of that and the music right. was, a, was a impetus 
mm. or those kinds of things. I do another series of, of programs I call Classical Smackdown, mm. which is inspired by uh, The Voice and America's Got Talent, where <laughs> people basically vote for their favorite. And I love this series. I have three programs in it now. Uh, and I'm presenting the program online in a few months. Uh, so, uh, you know, people who are interested can go to frederickchu.com and, and sign up and they'll get notification of that. Uh, basically two composers and I play pieces that I've chosen that really show the contrast or the similarity between mm. them and put them out there in different rounds for people to listen, mm. basically to, to taste and say, I like this taste better. I like this taste better and mm. to vote and then to see how their vote compares with others, mm. other votes and then to discuss, to debate, to fight with each other about <laughs> why did you vote for that? Mm. I love playing those programs in, in person, in concert, because at the end of the program, the lights go on and usually half the people are already out of their seats and trying to get out of the parking lot. Mm -hmm. At a classical SmackDown concert, they turn on the lights and everybody's in their seat and they're talking with their neighbors and they're like, hey, blah, 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 blah. Oh, wow. and old people are talking to young people and people who don't know each other are talking and everybody's like, discussing and debating and there's there's huge a, a huge ruckus and i just wow. love that afterlife of the concert yeah. that's how it should be i feel and if there's very some, very yeah, audience engaging that can make the audience engage and mm. somehow feel like they're relevant then that makes classical music relevant that makes this right. great music relevant today yeah, yeah. Right. but that just shows who you are, like you're trying to integrate music into our lives. With these kind of events, it's more meaningful and the yeah. music becomes part of life. And that's just very innovative and uh, amazing. So then I'm thinking you're coming from very traditional path, as you said, you know, until you hit the 20s and things happen and, you know, in France and so forth. But in my uh, impression is that you had this kind of, I don't want to say rebel, but uh, being original, it was within you. And But where does this really come from? Where does this <laughs> drive and force come from? I'm just curious. And that's a very interesting question. I, you know, I, I think there were some random things that happened like this residency that offered its the opportunity offered itself when I finished school to stay in Paris for a year. And, you know, who wouldn't do that? <laughs> um, and I think that going through those seven months without a bathroom and a kitchen and a piano, that was certainly not planned. That was not part of the, the grand scheme of things. And yet it was one of the key elements for my whole personal development and therefore my career development. Um, and I would say, you know, along the way, there were, of course, things that I regret. Uh, I regret, you know, having gone to school and not having this, this idea that, oh, here are my colleagues. I'm developing, I need to develop relationships with them because this is our support network as we get older and become professionals, we, you know, we draw on this group of people and their ideas and their connections and, 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 and their energy. I didn't know that as a pianist, you know, very isolated. Mm. So I think that's something that definitely 
I regret and has, uh, you know, pushed my career in, in certain directions. Uh, but I don't know, the, you know, just the different approach to things really, I think, kicked off in when I discovered myself mm -hmm. in the 20s. And I think that when one discovers oneself, thing, interesting things start to happen. Mm. Yeah, and I think especially these days with all of the technology and all the incredibly fast changes that are happening, mm. the more you can reveal yourself to yourself and take advantage of all the tools there, mm. it's going to be incredibly rich and yeah. diverse and unique, you know, all mm -hmm. these career paths. I, I just uh, read something that you know, I'm doing some work with my wife on, on education. And the statistic is that a child entering school age years now, this year, is going to graduate and work in a job. 65% will be working in jobs that don't even exist today. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's exciting and that's scary. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it really puts perspective on something that we're doing, which is piano, which has been mm -hmm. around you know, at least 350 years, 400 mm -hmm. years, building slowly, you know, note by note, <laughs> piece by piece. It really does put into perspective, if not put into question, what are we doing? And why are we doing this? Is this really a tradition that we want to preserve? What are the exactly. things in it that are so important that all these hundreds of millions of people are devoting their lives to it. Right. But in order for this tradition to survive, we have to evolve, keep evolving, keep discovering the possibility. And that's exactly what you're doing, and which is very inspiring. And But this is something that we really are interested as a team of the piano pod. And um, you're the really a great example of that. Well, so, yeah, really true. So, speaking of, um, so you have such a, so many things to offer to the next generations to come. So, and you started teaching in higher educational institution uh, as a full-time faculty member, uh, Carnegie Mellon University and the mm -hmm. Hart School. So, yeah, so we want to know. Started, yeah, that started a year ago. Oh, wow. How's it going? Uh, it's been very interesting. You know, my whole life I've taught, but not in an academic setting. Mm -hmm. I, I, mostly I've organized my DPS workshops right. and taken some private students here and there, but for very specific periods of time and for very specific projects. Mm -hmm. And I was excited about the idea of doing academic teaching and having kind of a longer picture and a longer trajectory mm -hmm. for my teaching and for students' experience. And I was so excited that Carnegie Mellon offered me uh, this position. And mm -hmm. that that's a school that one of our kids went to and graduated from. So we knew the school already. And I was, my wife and I were, were like, if the, if they don't accept him, then we're going to enroll in the school. <laughs> and unfortunately, he, he he graduated with uh, with high distinction and, and oh, has, a, has a great uh, a career ahead of him because of that. And and then to now be on the faculty is so exciting. Wow! And there's so much potential. And at the Hart School, 
uh, which is a great school with a long tradition and, and great reputation. Uh, I'm a senior artist teacher there and having a great time with a, a very diverse uh, student uh, makeup. And all of this in pandemic conditions, <laughs> you know, I think uh, it was a very strange coincidence that my mm -hmm. academic career has started with the pandemic mm -hmm. and remote teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, in some ways, it's made it extremely easy because all of a sudden I wasn't traveling anymore at all. Mm -hmm. And I could say to my students, okay, these are my teaching days, here are my teaching hours, and we're just going to meet every week on this, at the same day, same time. That's something that I couldn't do mm. uh, in normal circumstances. Right. right. And the fact that I can teach a student in Pittsburgh and then the next hour teach a student in Hartford, the next hour teach a student in China with a 12 hour time zone difference uh, and then do a coaching in California and just be here and to be able to string those things one after another is amazing. And so I feel like in some ways, I don't know how good I have it <laughs> because mm -hmm. I, I've never experienced any other way of, of teaching. And so I think for me, I love using the online tools. I love thinking about how to organize group activities, bringing people together from all of these different geographic places to work together in kind of a studio right. class. Uh, I love uh, being able to jump around. I love being accessible. It's, it's really so interesting that I don't have this, this experience, which in some ways could be considered baggage. Mm. And I'm just starting this fresh and bringing as much as I can mm. uh, to the thinking and to the tools and, and to whatever I can do. Mm. Amazing and wonderful. Thank you so much. And I, I wish uh, you the best of luck of teaching it's a Thank different you. setting because you know you have to raise these people for four six years so it's different from teaching just privately so yes, yes absolutely I, yeah yeah great in some ways i feel it's a great uh you know this long line of influence that i can have across mm. their their education career mm. at the same time it's only a few points along that line and, you know, 50 minutes here, an hour there, and like, wow, really? <laughs> Can I get anything across in that, that little amount of time? But Eric, to your point, you know. I was going to say, you know, you, you did. The masterclass, and, and yeah. so I, I try to keep that in mind mm -hmm. as well. And, I, and it's making me go back to my own uh, lessons with my great teachers. Mm -hmm. And just try, and both of them, unfortunately, passed last year. Mm -hmm coincidentally right when i was getting my mm. my positions and starting this mm. and and started to have questions that i never had before they're not available to to mm. ask and to to learn their experience uh, directly so i'm i'm reliving a lot of stuff trying to remember my student life and trying to remember like wow what did my lessons with abby simon were they really like just one, you know, like three lessons in this week, and then I'd go for like a month and a half without lessons. Yeah. Did that really happen? <laughs> and it did, you know, because he was traveling and performing during that time. And I didn't find anything wrong with that. So it, it puts into 
it just gives me a lot of things to think about and to to see how I was influenced and try to try to imbue that as much as I can. Yeah, well, I can say that speaking as a student, uh, a son, a parent, and a teacher, you know, you never know what's going to stick with somebody. You know, mm. we we give everything we can of ourselves, you know, all our best stuff, and um, and sometimes it doesn't resurface for a long time. Yeah. You know, when I when I went to Banff to do my long term residencies after graduate school, I and I didn't have a full time teacher. I realized that was when I really started listening to my teachers, mm-hmm. and like all the stuff that they said to me yeah. while I, I was doing my master's would come back, and I was like, oh, now I see why that's relevant, mm-hmm. right? And then that's when you really pay attention. So as right. teachers and uh, also parents raising kids, it's the same thing. All you can Absolutely. do. Let's try your best and it's up to ultimately it's up to the student um, to decide what they're going to take from it right um well frederick of course we could talk to you all day um but uh, <laughs> we, we don't have unlimited time so i'm going to ask you two last um uh related questions and then we're going to move on to our rapid fire round um so uh those uh two questions are first of all uh, you know, what's your biggest piece of advice for uh, younger pianists coming up in the world today? And related to that, what do you see the role of concert pianists in this modern world and the future to come? Mm-hmm. A piece of advice to young students, really, at this point, it's so hard to find the time to do daily practicing. It's so difficult with all the things that are calling to us, all the things that are available, you know, with a click, with a yeah. tap, you know, it's it's really a luxury to be able to focus on one activity, and but it it it's an emotional struggle. Discipline for me is an emotional struggle. Delayed gratification is a very unnatural thing. It's a very it's a very human thing as well you know animals are not very good at delayed gratification right uh but we can do that and we can train ourselves to do that more and more and it it just builds the gratification just builds exponentially when it does happen so that's you know sometimes (laughs) often we don't want to practice. <laughs> right? I found myself during the pandemic going for weeks and weeks without touching the piano because I just don't find the motivation to go there. So really we need to train ourselves to, f- to find any little scrap of motivation to practice because in the end, it definitely shows itself. So that's my advice to young pianists to please don't despair and really see this as a emotional disciplinary discipline training. I love that you said that delayed gratification is one of the fundamental things that makes us human, right? So everybody practice the piano because it's gonna make you a better human being. Yeah, and there, there's a limited time to when physical practicing is going to actually make a big difference. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't know how old uh, your average age is, but you know, unfortunately that age comes at, uh, I don't know, 15, 16, you know, 17 years old. It's not that you can't make physical progress after that, but it's a lot harder. And I can say from my own experience, I've had to go back to doing technical exercises and, and technical training, practicing 
just to keep in shape. And uh, you know, I've, I was fortunate that I did. In fact, I can show you one of the tools that I have. Oh, wonderful. Ah, this is a cast iron piping. Oh my goodness. Wow. That, uh, my, my teacher, when I was 10 years old, recommended uh, my parents went to a hardware store and got this. this is about five pounds oh my gosh and these are my dad's old socks <laughs> my, mother, my mother sewed onto these there's a little bit of cotton padding i can't even get my hand through it anymore but yeah. you know 10 years old i was a small 10 year old and i could get my hands through and i would wear these on my wrist and do all of my practicing scales exercises etudes uh, regular repertoire all you know an hour, two hours with these five pound weights on each arm. Oh my goodness. And a special relaxation technique that allowed yep. that to happen longer than a minute. Uh, and I didn't uh, get tendonitis and <laughs> I didn't, uh, you know, mess up my muscle system. In fact, it helped me build muscle. And I was fortunate to have done that, to have had that combination. Wow. And I feel like if we get that early enough, it's it really does stay with you. And so there's a time for physical practice before 18 is definitely that time. If you're 18 years old or under, just play the piano, just play, 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 move those fingers as much as you can. After that, just be prepared to not play as much. Literally your piano playing will improve by not playing as much after 18 than before 18. And then okay. you start thinking, you start looking at yourself, you start revealing these emotional and mental things that you've built up from that, that super intense practicing. And then you reveal what you really have inside of you as a unique, as a unique person. I am definitely making this a clip and sending it to all my students under 18. <laughs> <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> Holy. Oh my God. Uh, and and in, terms of, in terms of relevance of pianists today, I, you know, one thing that pianists do that almost nobody else trains themselves to do consciously is multitasking. The pianist at the very first lesson before we even know what the notes are named and you know what's going on, the teacher will say, okay, play these notes with this finger, play these notes with these, this finger, this is the melody, this is the accompaniment. Boom, we're multitasking. Yeah. Everybody multitasks. But pianists multitask consciously, and we train from the very beginning. It's ingrained in the idea of playing the piano is multitasking. Mm -hmm. right. And so we have the societal need for group activity, for collaboration. And this I call all for one, all of us in to do one thing. That's incredibly important. It's a very human thing. Although higher animals do that a lot, you know, hives and swarms, they, they, <laughs> you know, they do that. And we do that as humans, we come together, we kind of, uh, if se we're, we self-efface enough to be able to contribute to a, a greater, uh, greater whole. And piano playing is the flip side to that, which is the one for all. One person training themselves to be able to do more than one thing at a time, to be able to keep attention on the melody and on the accompaniment and possibly on a middle voice, mm. uh, to be able to uh, walk and chew gum at the same time <laughs> and even more complicated things. And not just for practical reasons, but for an aesthetically satisfying, emotionally gratifying, intense, 
communication reason. There's, there's no greater need for those kinds of skills than today. And, and this is an exercise I do. I think about you know, all the jobs, all the careers that people have, all the different professions, and you really think about it, like they don't need to multitask. Of course, if they do, they're better at their job, but their training doesn't really bring that out as a conscious thing. They, it doesn't bring out the physical, the mental, the emotional depth that playing the piano does. There's almost no other activity that does body, mind, heart, multitasking training than playing the piano. And I would put it out as a challenge to your listeners, like, you know, what other profession trains and requires the training to the depth that piano playing does in those areas, body, mm. mind, heart. Yeah. And of course, having the training in any area will make you a better whatever you are. But being a pianist, you just have it and then you have to reveal it. Mm. And I think that if people knew that, then we would make all of our school kids play the piano. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's one of the most all-encompassing, deep, intense trainings that one can have. And I, I really don't think there's anything quite like it. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a pianist after you've done that training. Mm -hmm. In fact, I would love to have a whole uh, you know, company uh, employees all trained pianists, but not doing any piano. <laughs> I think it would be a, a great business. I would have a. I would love to have a government where all the all the appointees oh, are, yes. are pianists. Amen to that. <laughs> you know, that would be amazing. You know, and certainly artists and musicians, performers who have piano training, yeah, of course. So Doctors. for me, it, it might be biased, but that that seems to me kind of a kind of a deep deep function of what piano and pianists can do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think more and more these days we see an increasing number of studies that show that multitasking is actually extremely difficult for humans to do. It's actually not natural. And so the more you train at multitasking, the more you really increase your capability to excel in any area. And piano certainly yeah. does require that more than most other things. Yeah. Um, Okay, so before the rapid fire, first of all, we want to make sure that we promote your SmackDown concert series, um, which you can find out more about at frederickchu.com, correct? Correct. Uh, There's a sign-up sheet uh, there, and then I'll, I'll be emailing. These are going to happen. Uh, there are three of them, one a month, probably March, April, May, possibly April, May, June. Uh, dates to be determined very soon. And uh, you're also launching a Patreon to go along with that. All that's right. right. That's going to be time to 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 open up uh, probably March in in preparation for the SmackDown series. Great. This All is right. rather a new segment. It's called the Piano Pod Rapid Fire Questions. So I would like for you to answer each question with short answers. Okay. So are we ready? Yes. Ready. All right. So question number one. Um, so you're, you have really diverse background, you know, you lived in France and your, your parents are Chinese and you lived in, uh, you were born, raised in, in the United States. So what do you consider a comfort food for you? What is the uh, comfort food? Dumplings, 
I, I held the world record uh, for my family in dumpling eating for, for 40 years. Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Great. So now, are you a cat or dog person? Cats. Okay. Next question. What is your word to live by? Multitasking. Multitasking. <laughs> what is the most impo- important quality you look for in people? Honesty. Honesty. What is the worst quality in people you want to stay away from? Hmm. I would say bragging. Bragging. Great. All right. Eric, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Um, Can you name three people who inspire you, living or dead? Three people who inspire me. Uh, Can I do four piano-related? Sure. Sure. Uh, Richter, Horowitz, Glenn Gould, and then above that triumvirate, Alfred Cortot. Oh, okay. <sighs> Wonderful. Um, okay, well, related to that, which historical figure, uh, composer, pianist, would you want to take lessons from if he or she were alive? Uh, ooh, that's a hard one between Liszt and uh, Cortot. Hmm. Okay. I would say Liszt because that's less uh, accessible. And we actually have Corto teaching masterclasses uh, recorded, so. Yeah, we can only imagine how Liszt played, right? Yes. Um, Okay, and then which historical figure or composer would you want to hang out at the bar with? Oh, Liszt, for sure. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Name one piece in your current playlist. Oh, in my current playlist? I would say Cars from Mars, uh, Robert Ian. <laughs> Good okay. one. All right. Name a book title you're currently reading. I'm currently reading uh, a, 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 what is it? a Short Swim in a Pond by George Saunders. Just came out, one of my favorite writers and a friend of mine. You get only one song or piece to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Uh, Prokofiev Second Concerto. All right, very cool. And last question, last not least, fill in the blank. Music is blank. What is music? Music is life. Music is life. Ding, ding, ding. We we heartily agree. (laughs) (laughs) Well, my friends, I'm afraid we're going to have to end here for today. That concludes this episode of The Piano Pod. Thank you, Frederick Chu, for joining our show today. And thank you to the audience for tuning in. As always, we want to remind you guys that his classical Smackdown series will be available at frederickchu.com. The link will be in the description as always. If you enjoyed today's episode, please read and review on whatever podcasting platform you use. If you are watching it from YouTube, please hit the thumbs up button and be sure to subscribe to our channel. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. The links are in the description below. All right, everyone. Hope to see you for the next episode of The Piano Pod. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so Patrick. much, Frederick. Thank Bye. you so much.